2 Peter chapter 1, back to verse 3. Let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Maybe 10, 15 minutes will be done. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this afternoon. We thank You for the opportunity we've had to fellowship together, to sing Your praises. Lord, to study Your Word this morning. Lord, we thank You for the theme and the different things that You have opened up the doors for so that we can be a better witness for You. Lord, I pray now in these next 10 to 15 minutes together that You would bless this church. I pray that You would open up our hearts and minds to receive what is being preached, what is being taught. Lord, I pray that You would help us to be receptive of Your Word. Help us to learn how we can live a life that is pleasing to You. We love You, Lord, and we thank You for loving us. In Christ's name, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. Very quickly, we're looking, we looked this morning at those all things. Amen? And all of this morning was introduction to our two main points, life and godliness. Now, based on the context of this morning, based on the context of the Word of God, based on what the Scripture says, verse 3, it has a little more meat to it now. According as His divine power, whose divine power? God's, hath given unto us all things. Now we know those all things come from the Holy Spirit. They're reserved for for the believers. And we learn that those all things are referencing the deep things of God. The deep things of God. He hath given unto us all things. Now what do the all things help us with? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. So this morning, this afternoon, the next few moments, we're going to look at life. What do we mean when it pertains to life? Now, we, we, it's pretty self-explanatory, it would seem, amen? But I want us to make sure that we don't just read over certain words and passages just because of a prior knowledge of a definition. We need to take the Word of God and we need to unpack it. That's what the Bible says, study to show thyself approved, amen? says to study. doesn't mean to look at it and go, oh, well, I know what everlasting means, so I don't really need to see in the context what it's talking about. I know what it means. No, we need to unpack it. We need to see what it's talking about. So this morning, or this afternoon rather, I want us to look at uh, uh, two different passages. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. So if we want to know the all things, because He's given them to us, the deep things of God, everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. What is the life that we have been given? Genesis 2, look at verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of what? Life. And man became a what? At what point did the man become a living soul? When God breathed life into him. That's when it happened. When God breathed life into him. Now what happened? What happened to man when he sinned? His spirit died. He no longer is defined by life. He's defined by death. That's why, was it Romans 5? Turn there. Keep you, well, we, we know this verse, so let's go ahead and look at Romans. Look at Romans 5. So God breathes life 
And until God entered in, life was not known. Now here's what we think. Before man, animals were born and they have life. They're living creatures, yes. But what is life associated with in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7? The soul. It's tied to the soul. Animals don't have a soul, amen? Now, I know, Peter, I know, amen? And we're trying to record, and I'm trying to not get in trouble, amen? But little Rover does not have a soul. My kids asked me when Hershey got hit by a truck and we had to bury her. I remember it was interesting to kind of watch all that happen because it was a teaching moment about death. They said, oh, those kids are too young to learn about death. No, they're not. It's part of life. They have to understand. Amen? I'd rather them learn that way than to learn standing over my casket. Amen? I'd rather them learn that way. It was a teaching moment. I had the opportunity. Took Hershey. Then the question, is Hershey going to be in heaven? And that's one of those when you got a little kid that you're just like... See, and the teacher inside of me wants to be like, what's the matter with you? No, they're not going to... You know, what's wrong with that? But they're not. Oh, but I love my little doggy, and I know he's going to be in heaven. Look, I know, we all love our pets, amen? And I'm not an animal hater, and I'm not trying to hate on people that love animals. I think it's a good thing, amen? God giveth them, amen? But ultimately, God gave us, a, gave us the animals for, for one reason, for meat. That's biblical, amen? Even dogs, absolutely. Think about that. Amen? Now I know some of you have already gotten mad and you're ready to turn in your resignation. Amen? I know it. I know it. I feel it. But I want us to understand something. Those animals don't have a soul. Well, there'll be animals in heaven. Yes, there'll be perfect animals that God created perfectly in the way that He intended them to be created. And that's why you'll have the, lo- the lamb lay down next to the wolf, not the lion. That's what it says. Not a lion. It says the lamb and the wolf. That's what the passage says. Why? because they'll be perfect the way that God intended them to be. So you'll have animals in heaven. Here's the wonderful thing about heaven. You won't be worried about Rover. You're going to be looking at Jesus. Amen? That's a blessing. That's an encouragement. Now, I know you're probably not encouraged now because you're dead goldfish when you were five years old. You thought went to heaven, and I apologize. They are not in the sea of crystal. Amen? All right. But I want us to understand something. Life in the Word of God is associated with the soul. The first reference we find where life is breathed into something, it's breathed into man, man alone, and at that moment he became a living soul. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. Wherefore as by one man, that living soul, sin entered into the world, and what's that word? Death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. What was the promise of God to Adam? You eat of this tree, you shall surely die. You're going to die. Well, Adam and Eve were just kicked out of the garden. They didn't die. Oh, yes, they did. Oh, yes, they did. Their spirit died in that moment, knowing good and evil, separated from God without a sacrifice. It's important that we understand that when the Bible talks about life, because this is what we'll do. We'll read this verse, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life. That's our living. Everything that we need to make it through this day, He's going to give it to us. That's not what the Bible's talking about. All things that pertain unto life. And if we study that word out, we know it's talking about our soul. Everything that we need comes from God. At the moment of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. 
And because of His divine power, we have all things that pertain unto life. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. You know, let's skip that one. Go to Philippians 1. I've got five minutes. I want to be a man of my word this morning, this afternoon. Amen? Go to Philippians. Because I want to get to godliness. Philippians 1 and verse 20. Because we're going to unpack a lot of this throughout the year. That's the, the goal. That's the purpose. 120. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So we learn the opposite of life is death. That's why the Bible says that those that don't know Christ will take part uh, in the second death, but we only in the first. Why? Because we've been made alive. We have a living soul. We have a spirit within us that's been regenerated, that's been resurrected. That's the promise of the resurrection. So we have the uh, uh, all things, the deep things of God that pertain unto life, our soul. What we need to live for God the way that He wants us to live it. Now, back to 2 Peter 1. All things, the deep things of God. All things that pertain to life and, what's that next word? Godliness. Life and godliness. Turn to 1 Timothy. I know you just turned to 1 2 Peter, but look at 1 Timothy. Very quickly, I want us to see this. We're going to unpack this a little bit more, Lord willing, Wednesday night. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself, thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto what? All things. Now again, what's the all things? The deep things of God. Godliness is profitable to all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So what does the bodily exercise help preserve? That life which now is. What does godliness help us attain to? That life that is to come. Not a works-based salvation, but our soul and our spirit, godliness, helps us to become the proper people that God wants us to be. We're to be a godly people. Spiritually minded. Those things which are to come. You're in 1 Timothy, look at chapter 6. Look at verse 3. If any man teach you otherwise, other, otherwise than what? The doctrine that is being referenced. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. Now you see why doctrine is so important? Because a proper doctrine will lead us to a path of godliness. You remember the comment I made this morning about there's more Baptists in Texas than there are in heaven? Here's the thing. People that go to church and say doctrine's not important, you believe what you want, you believe what you want, I just go because I want to feel good, I want to know the Lord's Spirit's moving and all that mess. They don't care about doctrine. Therefore, they cannot lead a godly life. Are they saved? If they've accepted Christ as their Savior, absolutely. Are they growing? No. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been to a church or you have heard someone say, 
Well, God's all about love, and we just need to be loving, and we love, 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 and everything's love, love, love. Amen? You've heard that. What is that? What is that an example of? Or what does that show in the life of the believer? A spiritual immaturity. You say, to think about God's love? No, to be unbalanced in the things of God. Think of children, our young people, our babies. Innocent, right? Well, sort of. Amen? You know what I mean by that. They're innocent. They'll walk up to a perfect stranger and say, hey, amen? Why? Because they're not aware of the evils in the world. They're innocent. Why? Because they're babies. They have to grow. They have to learn. They have to discern that you don't run out in the road to get a ball because a truck will hit you. You don't walk up to a person who's trying to get you to get a piece of candy because they might want to do harm toward you. That's the same thing that's happened in Christianity. We have spiritual babes, just like the Corinthian church. And you have false prophets and heretical preachers who have walked up with the candy from Scripture and said, hey, come, come get in my church. I'll make you feel good. This sugar tastes really good. What's going to happen if you keep eating sugar? Nurse Tracy, he's going to get sick, right? Yeah. Going to get a tummy ache. Amen? I remember one time we got home from church and Ben had, you know, they're, they're notorious for getting mints. Amen? They will load up. They will go from one mint man to the next mint man. Amen? And get as many as they can. And then this is what they do for those of you who give them mints. They go outside and they trade and they get their favorite ones with, their si- with siblings. I like the white ones. I like the red ones. I like this one. And then sometimes they just want to be rude and say, well, I like all of mine. I'm not trading nothing. You got you. You know what I mean? It was a fellowship Sunday. And little did we know, but Ben had gone up to the dessert table several times with a few different people, right? And some of you helped him, not knowing he had already had one plate full of banana pudding. And then the next one, not knowing he had that plate full of banana pudding plus a brownie, and some cookies. And the third person not knowing that he had banana pudding, brownie, cookies, and whatever you gave him. Amen? And then whatever you gave him. And then he comes home and he's got a pocket full of mints and he's eating mints. And then he's sitting on the couch about 3.30. Oh, my tummy hurts. Amen. He overdid it on the sugar. Why? Because while it may taste good and while it's okay every once in a while... It's not going to help you grow. It's not going to satisfy that hunger. And it's not going to help you develop physically. It's the same thing with the spiritual things of God. It's the same thing. Godliness. So we can focus, if we want, on all of the good things about the Bible. But there's some things in here that we need to learn. We need to allow God the opportunity to step on our toes a little bit. And we need to allow God the opportunity to speak through our pastor or through a missionary or through a deacon or through a Sunday school teacher that might make us a little upset because it hits a little too close to home. Why? Because we're striving for godliness. Do you want to know what happens when we don't strive for godliness? I have a quote from Spurgeon I'm going to share with you. And then we're done. It says, Alas, much has been done of late to promote the production of dwarf Christians. Poor, sickly believers turned the church 
into a hospital rather than an army. Oh, to have a church built up with the deep godliness of people who know the Lord in their very hearts and will seek to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You know, the church is supposed to be a haven for for people that are hurting. But what we've done is instead of it being a training grounds for the army of God, our churches have become hospitals. I remember growing up, and I'm not mad at them, the church that I attended growing up, I remember one of the taglines, one of the themes for the longest time was a hospital of hope. And that sounds good, amen? Because we do have hope, especially for lost people. But at some point in our Christian life, we have to move out of the ungodliness. At some point, we have to move out of uncertainty and carnality and get into the all things the deep things of God, so that we can become a people that are living a life that's godly. How do we do that? How do we do that? We have to stick with the Word of God. Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the how. Wednesday night, we're going to look at how we get these things that pertain unto life and godliness, and we'll wrap up our theme on Wednesday night. I hope today's been an encouragement. Amen? I hope you're excited about the theme. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Well, I don't know, Pastor. This sounds to me like you're just telling us to be ready because you're going to step on our toes this year. Amen? I am not going to intentionally try to hurt anybody's feelings or step on toes. But I want to be able to preach this book without reservation. I want to be able to preach this book no matter who it offends. Because if you get offended at me, that's one thing. You get offended at this book, there's something between you and God. Amen? You need to get it right. You need to get it set. Why? Because my goal for you, church family, is to be godly. My goal for our church is to be godly. You want to know how we'll be an effective witness if every time we go out to knock on doors or go out and hand out tracts, we're not having to ask God to constantly forgive us because we've messed up again. Are we going to mess up? Absolutely. But we need to strive for godliness so that when opportunity presents itself, the Holy Spirit pricks our heart and says, hey, why don't you tell them about Jesus? Why don't you give them one of those new gospel tracts and ask them if they know if they died today where they'd spend eternity? Ask them if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know what we'll be ready for if we're godly? We'll be ready to do it. Amen? Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer.